0: Always look on the bright side of life.
1: The phrase, no ifs or buts, is generally spoken to children. Whilst we have no restrictions or no excuses, everything is on the table for our social butterfly, Steve Butler, reporter at large with The West Australian. No ifs or buts is brought to you by Bold Move Homes. Make the right move with Bold Move Home. Your vision is our craft. No ifs or buts.
0: Good morning to you, buts.
1: Yes, a very good morning, chaps. I was uh, sort of half hoping it might be April 1 again so I could uh, suggest that the Perth Wildcats have applied to the NBL to see if they could go back into an Eastern States hub.
2: Yeah. They haven't really got warm uh, since they've been home, have they?
1: No, they did all the business, they did all the hard yards over East in the early part of the season. They have had three losses in a row, including one to Melbourne last night. So, no, it's uh, a bit of a worry for the Wildcats. They need to get back on track and it's a bit personnel related too. I think Mitch Norton would have helped uh, definitely
2: down the stretch yeah. last night when they when they had their chances. Spot on. Yeah, they're only beaten by nine points and it was certainly an improvement on what they dished up against the Kings and let's yeah. hope that they can bounce back on a Thursday night against New Zealand. Now, talking of bouncing back, are West Coast able to bounce back on the weekend, Butts? Because we're asking our listeners this morning, it's a multiple choice. A being none, B being one, C being two. How many teams will the West Australian clubs have this uh, this weekend? I think None. Oh. I think that's the way I'll be tipping at the moment. I'd like to
1: see what, what sort of list Fremantle put out there, to be honest. But, you know, it, even listening to Adam Simpson last night about how the COVID has affected some players, and Oscar was a little bit uncommittal about that, and, it's, and that's fairly so because you just don't know how people are going to come back and how much they've been affected by the virus. But Adam Simpson seemed to have zero handle on it when he was speaking last night, and and that fills you with a bit of worry, no matter who comes back, really, to, to go up against the Pies team that are, that are absolutely pumping at the moment I and mean, they're playing some pretty exhilarating footy. And if West Coast dish up the sort of listlessness and you know, I thought it was pretty delusional to suggest that they, their effort was good. Mm. I don't think their effort was good. And, and both Adam Simpson and Oscar this morning were both saying it. Well, I think that's quite delusional because their effort wasn't as I would expect it to be that you can put pressure on when you want to. And they didn't seem to want to. So, so uh, what,
2: what was the yeah. most stark aspect of that performance on the weekend then for you? Steve and I know we spoke about it a little bit yesterday. What yeah. was the one area that concerned you the most?
1: The game plan, playing with a lack of intent. Yep. And and, and I'll go further to that. The pressure. You can pick and choose when to go, and if you cho- if you do that, then you're going to get wiped out of, off the park. You need to be un- unconditional with you with your pressure, and your running capacity, and your ability to get to a contest. Otherwise, you're going to get wiped off the park. And I tell you what will happen against Collingwood if they if they pick and choose, they'll get flogged. Because Collingwood aren't picking and choosing at the moment. They're going to every contest and they're playing really hard, good footy. So, no, I, I would worry. I mean, it is it is dependent on a lot of personnel. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, I do feel for West Coast in the predicament they're in at the moment. But the players who go out there have to... Their, their effort was better the week before against North Melbourne. It wasn't good in the Derby. I, I can't see how they could say that. And,
0: and maybe it's because there's a few players that on the weekend they knew that... They can't be dropped because they're not COVID top-up players. <laughs> Maybe it's the COVID top-up players that just come in and go, well, you know yeah. what, this is an experience. I'm going to make the most of it. But
2: Their effort earlier yeah, in that did. game was fair. They they found yeah, themselves I agree. in arrears significantly at halftime, though.
0: Against North Melbourne?
2: No, against West Coast. Against Fremantle on Fremantle. the weekend. Their effort in terms of yeah. those those players in round two, good, but... Even even there on the weekend, I thought their effort. It no, that's
0: what I'm saying. Maybe there were a few that were pretty yeah. comfortable, knowing that the COVID top ups were just in there for one week.
1: Mm. I think we just need to see them opening the shoulders and having a decent throw of the stumps. Not this chippy, ugly turnover football. You want to see them open the shoulders, play with intent, and especially while they're not sure of their you know where their personnel is coming from next. That's the time that you'd really have a crack. I reckon. Not play conservatively.
2: I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'd love to see him just take off. Otherwise, you're just going to get belted anyway, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Take a, take on some of those kicks. Have a crack. Now, what about yeah. the cricket yesterday, Steve? Um, oh. It probably didn't go as long as I think we all forecast. <laughs> uh, it was over pretty early. Yeah, well,
1: Aaron Hardy uh, <laughs> certainly stamped that factor in the, into the game, didn't he? I mean, his batting was just superb. And, and what a match he had as well. I mean, it was, only, it was his second first-class entry in 10 matches. And it was the third highest by West Aussie in a Shield final behind. Mike Balletta's 262 at 86-87. Adam Gilchrist, 189 not out in 95-96. So he's 173 not out. What an what a absolutely sensational performance, plus he's three wickets off 24 overs as well. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of highlights there to like, wasn't there? And again, you know, we talked about the emotion of the racing on the weekend. To see that emotion for Sean Marsh, a bloke we love here at the Sports Daily, and to see that sort of flow out, when he's usually pretty conservative, Sean, to say the least, I thought that was a beautiful thing. So to watch that all play out, I thought was great. But the, the, the individual performances in the match, you know, Whiteman, Bancroft, I mean, it was really good stuff, wasn't it? And, and it was just turning the screws as the best team in the competition and getting it done. And, you know, when you think of the summer they've had, as we've mentioned, the, the, the Sheffield Shield now, the, the WBBL, the BBL and the one-day Cup. That is, a, that is an amazing summer for the wacker. Well done.
0: Absolutely. Tip my hat to everyone down there at the wacker. Now, Jeff or Sean?
1: Oh. Well, it's an interesting question now for the two marsh, uh, marshes, isn't it? The father and son team, Soss and, uh, and his father. He's obviously called Soss because he's son of Swampy, which is Jeff's nickname. And, you know, we, do you know how many first-class runs both of them have made?
2: Well Sean made over twelve thousand yeah. first class runs how many
1: not... I think yeah eleven thousand eight hundred and sixty i I found on a on a website and I'm here the same website suggests that Jeff made eleven thousand seven hundred and sixty so a hundred runs between them. I have to clarify and make sure that's and confirm that, but that's pretty remarkable for a father son duo to be within a hundred runs of each other nearly at twelve thousand runs each in first class cricket. who would you take diggers?
2: Oh, it's a good question, given <laughs> Jeff was up against the, the might of the Windies. Yes, um, yes, and faced them well. Yeah, he did. He was a wonderful one-day cricketer. So was Sean for Australia. Oh, maybe Sean, maybe. I'm not sure. I think Sean was probably blessed with more natural ability than Jeff.
1: Well, when you look at it, Jeff made 4,357 runs from 117 one-day internationals, and – Sean a lot less, 2,773 from only 73 one-dayers. Sean played 38 tests for 2,265. Jeff played 50 tests for 2,854 runs. So they're pretty similar (laughs) career statistics there for both of them. They're both magnificent. So, look, I I, I think you'd probably take Jeff Marsh in the long form of the game and you'd probably take Sean in the short form. I think that's about as best I could
2: do. Look, Sean played some wonderful test knocks. We know that. The, yeah. the right. home ashes. We saw the, the you know, the sentry on debut over there in Sri Lanka. But he did play some explosive one-day innings for his country as well.
0: Yeah, that he certainly did. Uh, now, Butts, the coaches' votes and also the rising star from the weekend.
1: Well, it appears as though the, uh, the voters got it right, didn't they? Because the coaches' votes for the Western Derby uh, had 10 votes for Lockie Schultz, the Glendinning-Allen medalist. So 10, five votes each from from the two coaches in the Derby. Uh, Jeremy McGovern and Shannon Hearn were the next best, which was interesting, in and in a side that got flogged. It uh, means they probably saw a lot of the ball down back there. Uh, Andrew Brayshaw, four. I thought he was probably a little unlucky not to get a couple more. Heath Chapman was very good on four votes, and then one vote each to Blake Akers and Sam Swiskowski they were both very good. So all in all, they're
0: probably not too far off the mark, are they? No, spot on. I reckon the best player on the ground won the medal, which, you know, sometimes yep. you do get a little bit of conjecture around that. And Nick Dacos getting the rising star, so it was only a matter of time.
1: Well, I think he'll win it, won't he?
0: I, I like the bloke from Melbourne that got it last week. Jake Bowie, he's he's going along beautifully.
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know whether he's going to... Challenge Nick Dacos by the end of the year. But he's going no. beautifully, you're right, I agree. But Nick Dacos, I mean, he's come in with all the accolades. He's come in with the famous name. And, that you know, to put the spotlight on a kid like that, and he's lapped it up. I mean, a lot of kids would, would shy under that sort of intense spotlight, but he's lapped it right up. And he's playing exactly the way the recruiters thought he would and absolutely killing them at the moment. It'll be interesting to see what West Coast do against him. And, you know, obviously the son of Peter Dacos, he's an absolute star already.
2: Now, leave us with some rugby league news, please, Stephen.
1: Well, we've been watching the poaching efforts of Wayne Bennett to try and get Caelan Ponga to the, <laughs> to the Dolphins, in their, <laughs> the, you know, the new franchise, and it's caused a lot of derision amongst the trash, but he's, he's done nothing illegal trying to poach him because that's how the rules work in the NRL. But it's sounding like this morning that Caelan Ponga is about to sign a massive contract with the Newcastle Knights. So the, the boy born in Port Hedland... Uh, he looks like he could be a very highly paid, well, again, a very highly yeah. paid NRL player with the Newcastle Knights shortly. But uh, it sounds like uh, all the derision that's come Wayne Bennett's way might end up with a sour taste as well, and he might miss out on the signing.
2: Yeah, it's a really important signature for the Knights. Steve, thanks very much for your time this morning. We'll speak to you again tomorrow.
1: Have a good day, lads.